Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 70 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today to finish off this week, week 14 of this uh, show, is a future MXM host, <laughs> who's, yes. who's already done a few. But he's, you know, he'll be, he'll be back. He'll be back. And also in, in a uh, independent filmmaker named Brett Stillo. Welcome back to the show, Brett. It feels like I just spoke to you just a few hours ago. It's very it weird. Does. It's funny. Yes, it's fun. It time space dilation. It's what you expect in MXM. You know, That's true. it's That's very true. strange. It's very strange. But yeah, it's, it's been a fun week, my friend. Thanks for having me on your show. Um, and wow, yeah, it's like. Five days suddenly goes by like that, and you know I'm always faced with like uh, I want to do one more. You know we know what's coming up uh, next week. It's like I want to talk more about that, but I'm happy to uh, have been here this week. Uh, yeah, that, that, about that's, it's part of the problem. You can't have you know uh, everyone on every single episode. You know as much no. as as much as you'd like to. You know it. it I, I agree. I also have have had a lot of fun this week. And, uh, you know, I hope to, to podcast with you in the future, you know, for, for other shows that I end up doing next season, the following season, who knows, who knows where, where things will lead. But bottom line is it, this week was fun. Yeah. And, uh, and hopefully my listeners will like you also, because, you know, if I get, if I get a really negative feedback, then I won't have you back. But now I'm kidding. (laughs) I don't know. You think I listen to what you think I listen to what the what 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 uh, the listeners will say? Come on, (laughs) if they say if they say get rid of Stillo, then I don't know. We'll see. Well, (laughs) we have that in common with McLean. We're we're Maverick cops. There you go. There you go. Sure, we can tie that (laughs) into minute seventy. What happens in minute seventy? So all right, so minute seventy begins with Al uh, juggling the situation and ends with the limo screeching along. So yesterday we ended things off. With John here seeing the lights and you know looking at his three cigarettes that are left in the pack and trying to figure out what's going on, so he called Al on their party line, which we <laughs> which we've talked about a few times this week. I've talked about it many times before. I'm sure I will talk about it in the future. That you know everyone can listen to this conversation, and you know John had said, "What's wrong? What's going on?" and so the response that Al gives is, uh, I said, I'll talk to you later, boy. Now that sentence got cut off and this minute begins with him saying to you later, Roy. And then he goes, if you are what I think you are, then you'll know when to listen, when to shut up and when to pray. Now I love that line. I think it's a great yeah. line. Um, uh, you know, when, later on, we'll talk about it, that it, it, it is word for word from the script though. I'll let that cat out of the bag here. But, you know, it, it, it's great screenwriting, you know, to put that in there, that this character, you know, we, we know that Al does not agree what Robinson and, you know, the SWAT team are doing right now. But he still, you know, toes the line and is, you know, showing, I guess, uh, LAPD solidarity or yeah, something yeah. like that, or LAPD bravado showing that, you know, he still stands behind them, despite the fact that he doesn't agree with the situation. He doesn't agree yeah. with the decision to do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's, you know, I, th- you know, I think he's also thinking, you know, he's also looking out for John, you know, but it's, it's like, 
you know, he's sort of just, yeah, stay frosty, man. Yeah. And uh, hold tight. And he has, yeah, I think one thing you can say about Al Powell is that he's got a really good read on people. Yes. This character, I think, just knows people and he's like, I don't know you, but um, you got it. You got to trust me on this. I think it's it's a what's the word I'm thinking? It's not a faith bridge, but it's like uh, you got to trust me on this one, man. You just got to put your faith in me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. one of the things that one of the things that, that 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 surprises me. I mean, again, we'll find out. We'll talk about this in future weeks. The fact that you know he used to be a beat cop and now he's no longer on the street because of the accident and and everything like that. But you know, it makes you wonder what type of job he's doing now that he's still able to, you know, hold up his end of you know being street smart and stuff like that. You know, like even if he is just, you know, he mentions a point to, to John later on, he'll say, you know, uh, what you don't think is noble to be pushing papers uh, across the desk. And, and John actually says, no, I don't, which, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. We'll dissect that, that conversation. But the idea is that, okay, now, you know, what type of job is he doing now, but he's, that he's still able after maybe 10 years, you know, who knows how long ago. I mean, the, the, I think the script mentioned specifically how long ago the accident was, but the movie doesn't. I, I, think, I think it says like 10 or 12 years, something like that, if I remember correctly. But the, the, the movie doesn't mention specifically. He says, I had an accident. You know, he doesn't mention when or anything like that. But we assume it wasn't last week. You know, yeah. uh, Reginald Bill Johnson, great actor, but this character is not fit. You know, he, it's not like this happened just a few months ago. And now he's, uh, you know, this is something that he's he's been able to, you know, to have his desk job and, and eat his Twinkies as much as he wants over the last uh, few years, you know, even though his wife is pregnant and likes uh, Twinkies. But <laughs> when, when, when you look at it, so it makes makes me wonder what type of job this type of character would be satisfied doing if he can't be on the street, you know, because he, the way that he talks to John and the way that he talks to Hans, you know, and when he was on the radio and stuff like that, it shows that he hasn't lost his uh, demeanor. You know, he okay. still knows right. how to deal with situations, I guess you can say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, having not got to admit, having not really thought a lot about, the character value you see where this is his reawakening you know he's he gets he probably hasn't even thought about anything like this in a long time and now it's just like in the heat of battle he's becoming the copy used to be where okay wow i didn't i didn't think about that perspective also that that's great oh wow yeah 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 i like that when you hear that you know when you hear his speech um, how does it go again? Uh, stay tight. Uh, no, because if you if you if you are what I think you are, then you know when to listen, when to shut up, and when to pray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what you say when you uh, just before you jump out of the plane, too. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah, pull the ripcord. Uh, but that's, that's more or less what they're doing here. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, John knows less than, than Al does, but Al knows that they're planning an assault right now. And that, that assault, you're basically jumping out of the airplane. You totally, you know, yeah. This is, this is, this is D-Day for them. Yeah. It's totally go time. And yeah, I think it's a real reawakening of this character. He's, I'm imagining, um, and Ken, I'm kind of thinking about, you know, people I've known who have, 
something has happened and they've just, you know, set stuff aside, given up on stuff. Um, you know, they just, they don't want to be reminded of what happened. And yeah, maybe he's, yeah, he's, you know, organizing files or something like that. But in this situation, yeah, it's kind of interesting. That's like, you know, there's, there's no wiggling out of this. It's like, he's, he's just, it's, it's in with this guy, it's instinctive. It's intuitive. It's like, you know, he's, he's using his instincts and he's not even thinking twice about this. Except yeah. later on when he does have that moment to reflect and he opens up to John. Right. About, yeah. The Which, cop. again, brings us back to the whole idea that this is a party line. So later on, he's going to open himself up, but he's opening himself up to everybody. Oh, you know, wow. you know Thorn, Thornburg's going to do a piece just on uh, on Al, you know, about, uh, you know, about policemen that, that accidentally shoot kids, uh, you know, holding ray guns. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, not not something fun. And then John's response is, "Jesus Christ, you're coming in. That's it, isn't it?" Yeah. And then I, he goes, "Christ, Powell, I told you what kind of people you're dealing with here." Now, what's what's uh, forget about the fact that this is, you know, we're going to go back to the whole idea of it being a party line, and obviously this is something that is needed for the plot. But basically, John just told Hans and all his men that if you didn't notice the police are about to make an assault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. It's, it's as if we didn't know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a good Great. point. Oh, that's, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've worked on, you know, some small scripts, um, you know, nothing major, but, you know, I do some screenwriting and, you know, there's, there's a time when I get into a situation where it's, it's like, it's kind of, you know, kind of kind of a similar thing where it's like well geez if my characters are doing this then everyone else is going to know or some kind you know where you you put yourself sometimes you put yourself behind the eight ball but it's like i gotta get to the next scene so you know sometimes you just tread across thin ice um just because you know you know you know you got to get to the you know there's a bigger prize up ahead um but yeah, I know I know that feeling when you have to, you know, like uh, I'm gonna ignore this <laughs> for now. It it there are there are a number of logic traps here, but uh, it's more important to keep the script rolling and hopefully, you know, hopefully it isn't something so glaring that you know it just really defies logic. But yeah, that I mean, I, let me say, yeah, I I I totally hear what you're saying. But at the same time, and, and again, we're sort of in agreement that like, let's let's just, let's let's hope that let uh, that there were some at least some intelligent discussions about, you know, we've got it's basically a party line, and and yeah. somebody like say McTiernan saying, yeah, I know, but you know, we've got to keep things rolling, and we, you know, it's it's because it, you know the the timing of this script, you know, they are juggling hand grenades in terms of Thornburg is looking for answers. Holly is, you know, you know, Holly, Gruber suspects Holly. He knows something's afoot. Um, there are, you know, one, one thing that's amazing about, uh, 
and a little intimidating about Die Hard is there are there are multiple clocks ticking. <laughs> yes. Um, and when one alarm bell goes off, it's going to affect the others. So, yeah, again, I could kind of picture somebody saying, hey, how are we going to explain that only they can hear it? You know, when we know a like, previous scene, Argyle can hear it. Uh, or he can hear them, but how come the terrorists don't? Um, and that's where I, th I feel like that's probably McTiernan saying, ah, but we got to keep things going. And if we, you know, we could figure out a way to explain this or a way around this, a workaround, but that might be a whole extra five pages. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, t I'll take the devil's advocate of, you know, maybe with, the terrorists all doing their job. Maybe that is a goof on their part. You know, they just, yeah. you know, there, there is, there is something to be said for human error that, you know, we mentioned Theo who might have thought of that, but he's too busy trying to open uh, the safe. So um, there, unfortunately there's no guy on the terrorist team named sparks or radar. So, <laughs> you know, if, uh, and again, you know, no, no criminal's plan is perfect. So maybe that's, we can just say that's on, that's on Hans, you know, he's paying attention to everything else, but you know, you didn't think to, well, no, they never, they, they never thought that, that someone, I mean, again, if they knew that the FBI would be involved eventually and the police would be involved at some point. Yeah. So then at the, if they're using CVs so that they, they then would know that that people can listen to it. So again, that, that, that even opens, that opens the Pandora box even more that, that Han should have thought about this beforehand. You know, he should have gone to Radio Shack and bought, you know, CBs that have codes. Yeah. You know, at one point he says, I thought, I thought we asked for radio silence. And then John says to him, well, I didn't get that notice on the bulletin board, Hans, but, <laughs> but radio silence doesn't help either. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because at some point they're going to be talking. You know, or let's put it this way. If the idea is to only have radio silence the entire time, then why have the CBs? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know. It's, it, so. it's, this is, this is, it's like classic double jeopardy when you're plotting yes. something where, um, and you know, it's, and you know, sometimes it's, you've, you've written the script and you've got this whole trajectory going and then you realize, you know, oh crap, there's a, there was a car in the garage the whole time, you know, you realize, yeah, uh, exactly. you know, and it's like, yeah, then it's, you know, that requires some doubling back. Yeah. I mean, again, they could have spent some time explaining the radio and maybe made, you know, just an added element of suspense and tension in the plot. But, um, I'd like, like I said, I'd like to think that it, it was something they debated. It was, you know, if, if it was a decision to just, say ignore it it wasn't without considering options but um right. that that would be great if somebody you can meet john mctiernan and say hey have the radio thing <laughs> see what he had to say i'll have to i'll have to try to remember if i ever meet him you know that, that's what i'll ask him about the, the punch actually i don't think he's the person i think you can ask the the script writer or, you know, Stewart, the, you know yeah, or the or the two script screenwriters but um now, it would be interesting to get their reaction. You might get a like a, a head slap. I know. 
<laughs> I wanted to do another pass, but you know, there was, we were hoping people wouldn't notice. We were hoping people wouldn't notice, or um, but still, we never thought that someone would be doing a movies by minute, uh, you know, dissection of this movie oh God, uh, for the second uh, time. You know, just a <laughs> a, a, a war story. Uh, you know, a couple of years back, I was uh, I was involved in. Uh, Jim O'Kane's uh, North by Northwest uh, okay. show, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, one thing I lo- I love to to talk about was you know, here's a movie made in 1959. Uh, I mean, seeing a movie on television was even kind of a rarity, but the the whole concept of any kind of a reviewing, because yeah, I mean, if you watch, and then this is a movie made by Alfred Hitchcock. You know, it's sort of made, it's kind of a hot rod of a movie. It just is going to go down the track once and that's it. I can't imagine someone watching this movie over and over. (laughs) You know, and you watch certain scenes and that. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there are those inevitable, why didn't he call the cops first? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I just, I had a lot of fun imagining trying to explain to the ghost of Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, you can stream movies. You can watch them over and over and uh, you can isolate specific scenes. Why would you do that? (laughs) Don't you have anything better to do, young man? (laughs) Or Cary Grant, you know. What? Same scene over and over. You're you're crazy, man. You're crazy. So, but again, it's movie forensics. It's the fun of taking it apart and disassembling it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating the way, you know, these jigsaw puzzles are constructed, aren't they? Yes, it really is. It really is. Now, also, John says, you know, I told you what kind of people you're dealing with here. Now, do you really think John has a full grasp on what type of people they're dealing with? You know, he's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a given fact that the LAPD doesn't, but John doesn't either. You know, he doesn't like he says it later on with Ellis. He says, says, uh, you know, he says to Hans, Hans, I know, I know what you're like, but Ellis doesn't know what he's dealing with. You know, it's like, how does John, has John ever dealt with terrorists before? You know, he's, he's, he's a a New York City police officer. Well, yeah, I mean, you could, it could, you just purely like, I think that's half adrenaline and half, um, I can't, was it, was it, who was, who was shooting at him? Um, through the table. Uh, that was Marco. Marco, okay. You know, and as I recall, Marco's, Marco's saying some insulting things. Where he gives him advice when, when you have a chance to shoot someone. Do yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> Don't hesitate. You know, and I think, you know, part of the fun of Die Hard is the pure adrenaline of uh, one of these terrorists is trying to kill uh, John. And, you know, John... As we all know John gets his ass kicked one end of the building to the other, but there's that there's that gleeful when he takes one of them out after them tormenting him. It's, you know, this is a great bully movie, you know, because yes. the the terrorists are such ass. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. yeah, they really so are. When he gets it back to him, it's like, oh yeah, that you know. So yeah, I think there is a like. You know, he doesn't have time to say this to Al, but it's like, this guy shot at me through a table. He was mean to me, you know? <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah, he, he probably has no idea about their true motives or, 
you know, their their background, but he just knows that he's dealt with like what two or three of them, and they've been, yeah, very they've been very disagreeable <laughs> but, but, but in I temperament. Think, you know, they're just yeah. But I think I, I don't think that's what he's referring to here. I think he's referring to the fact that you're dealing with some some very dangerous people that that uh, that will stop yeah. at nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's more along the lines of what it is that he's trying to 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 give over. Yeah, but I think he's also, I mean, he's had he's he has had some first time life, you know, life or death experiences with him. So um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, you know, but yeah, I know what, I know what you're saying too. But I feel like it's John's, you know, it's is is adrenaline. Probably also, I mean, what's keeping him alive is. <clears throat> He's he goes off, you know, he is your classic maverick cop, you know. Yes. Uh <laughs> for so sure. He's, I mean it's interesting because you can picture John McClain in a you know, in the captain's office. And you know, you 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 know, John, we want you to we want you to move on to the case. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm this close to breaking it. <laughs> I just you know, I'm like, no, you you know, or you got to leave the suspect alone. I I know this is the guy. You know, he's probably just you right. know, he's running on a, uh, he's running on intuition, adrenaline, and cigarettes. Yes, but but yeah, still there there is a like you don't know who that you do bring up that question. You know, John. I mean, I don't think John really knows. Yeah, he doesn't. We that's right. that's one thing that plays against him upcoming as he doesn't see the full picture yeah correct exactly but but he couldn't no. you know no one no, no one no. could that's the that's that's the whole idea here and hans couldn't see the full picture either you know he couldn't see the fact that that he would have you know john mm -hmm. there to cause all these problems right so as we move along the the assault then begins and we get a, a great aerial shot uh, as we hear uh, robinson say all right let's yeah. load him up blue go and the, we get an aerial shot of the whole staging area we see there, there are two ambulances a SWAT van three fire trucks uh nine police cars uh two of them are unmarked cars with uh, with bubbles two of them are regular unmarks uh there are also three tractors that are uh you know looking there that are that are in that area because it's a it's a construction area also obviously and then we get a shot of al who actually looks like he's uh, hyperventilating, you know, the way that he's looking at everything going on. And then the, the shot changes and we, we see Hans again. And we hear, you know, Hans gets up from his seat and moves off, moves towards the window. And then we see one of the, the characters light up a cigarette. This is Kristoff, right in front of the computer. And then, he, then we hear Hans say, so they'll be coming. Everyone get ready. Theo, you are the eyes now. Yeah, and then we see that uh, you know Theo turns on the surveillance cameras to check whatever things going on. We get a shot of Eddie, also getting ready. He's still you know wearing his uh, uh, you know front front desk uh, right. jacket, <laughs> and he uh, you know uses a key and and closes the two porklaces, uh on both sides. And, you know we see we see both sides getting ready for right. this assault. You know, and I, I like the way they do it because, you know, they do, they do the right-left thing very yeah. well. You know, you, you get a shot from, you know, that, that everyone from the police are moving to the right and everyone 
from the terrorists are moving towards the left, you know, and things that they're doing. And then we we see uh, another shot of some of the SWAT guys where four of them start uh, start their assault and we hear Rivers, yo, begin your reckon, re, uh, begin, begin your reconnoiter. <laughs> I've never heard that word before. Reconnoiter. Have you ever heard I that word? I think I have, but that's funny. I think it's a little, yeah, little strange. It seems like reconnaissance know. would be better. But anyway, reconnoiter. Yeah. Yeah. No, reconnaissance means that you're just checking the area. The idea, I guess, is oh, to move okay. forward. Okay. You know, and and then we we get a shot of John, you know, who's who's running around the room, you know, looking at different windows to try and see where he gets a better view from everything. And as he's looking, he sees down that things are happening, and he goes, oh, yeah. And then we get a, a shot of the limo slowly moving in the garage. And that's pretty much how the, this minute ends. Yeah, lots of, lots of transmissions. Yeah, it's getting ready for an even a big scene yeah. coming up. I'm a, yeah, they're showing that yeah. everyone's Now, my, my compliments to you. I, I tried to look up. I did not find the name Eddie for the terrorist who I nicknamed Huey Lewis. Yes, numerous people have nicknamed him Huey Lewis. One of, one of my guests uh, from, I think, I think it was about a month ago he was on, uh, Kurt uh, Kenny. He's actually a documentary filmmaker who's doing a documentary on oh, Hugh Lewis. Cool. And he's, he himself said that he looks like Hugh Lewis. Now, yes, he, he definitely looks like Hugh Lewis. There's <laughs> no question about that. I just, I just came to that conclusion. That's, that's... No, in the, movie, in the movie, they refer to him Eddie. as Eddie. He's, he he yeah. is referred to. Uh, we actually already heard it because um, when Al shows up at the, the, the front door, so Hans talks to Eddie. And says Eddie, and he goes. I was waiting for you. Right, right. So, but, but still, I. My so yes, but it definitely looks like you were. Yeah, and then, there's no question yeah, about that. You know, it, it it brings to mind one, you know, fun little. I think it's a just a Hollywood convention. Because I I uh, as I was reviewing, I, I yeah, I looked at sort of a you know a still taken on the set. The whole gang, they're a good looking gang. You know, they're like, it's, they're just like, remember the international mail catalog? They could all model for international mail, you know, Gudnov and, you know, <laughs> the, you know, we are known for our ruthless tactics and high cheekbones, you know, the, the, the only yes. one who, uh, you know, looks a little sketchy is of course my favorite Al Leong, who always looks like Al Leong, yes. um, and yes. thank God he looks like Al Young, but you know, um, yeah, he he looks he looks very uh, sketchy to me. But I, maybe that's part of the gang's. Um, it's one of their secret weapons, is you know, and, and especially in in L.A., they're just a, a good looking bunch of guys who know ninety nine ways to kill you. So apparently, yeah. and maybe maybe <laughs> you know, Gruber yeah. just wants men. You know, I want men who will appreciate a good suit. You know, he's looking for men who are like him. You know, it's like we're going to do this and do this wearing our money. You know, it's, uh, you know yes. exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah. yeah. So speaking of Al Leong, here was a, something I mentioned yesterday that maybe maybe you and have talked about this with other guests, but you know, one one movie uh, that this is similar to, and there's a connection with Al Leong is. Lethal Weapon, of course, and you know Christmas time. Shocking, shocking, 
shocking that you would make that connection. Yeah, right, right. Um, is 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 there? Are these two movies happening in the same universe? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, because so we could, um, in a perfect world. Actually, no, they can't, because uh, because he his character will die in both. So yeah, it can't be. Okay. It's a problem. So, Unless it's his twin brother. Or it's just, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, that that, that there could be an, a, an anomaly there, you know, or he's cloned or something like that. But, you know, with the and I believe it's Joel Silver was involved in both productions. So there's really your connection. But they're they yeah. just have such overlap. And I guess I don't know. To me, it'd be fun if if Riggs and Murtaugh worked with McLean. Uh, <laughs> or if. You that know, would be very take interesting. Road cop to help another rogue cop. They probably would absolutely. They wouldn't get along. <laughs> right. In, in *Lethal Weapon*, his character's name was Endo, and here it's Uli. Okay. So, well, that, so they're, they're 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 brothers. That's as close. Obvi- yeah, Endo and Uli. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's yeah. your connection. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's. A, I'm sure there've been, you know, whole blogs about the similarities of the two movies, but they. They, they all, it almost feels like, you know, it's almost too bad you don't have more characters who overlap. Yeah, um, it's true. But, but it's okay. okay. Yes, that it is. That it is. All right. So the, the script there, there's a few, uh, few, as always, there's a few discrepancies. So first of all, it starts off by saying, you know, hating himself, Powell disconnects, you know, after he's talking to John. So it, it gives us more emotion to the fact that he doesn't want to really, he, he didn't want to tell John to have to shut up, but mm. he knows that it's the best thing to do. Okay. You know, um, then there's another point where when Hans is talking, he goes, they'll be coming, get ready, Theo, watch the screens. Be our eyes and ears. Again, it's not needed. I think Hans says, uh, wait until they're close, which, which he later on, you know, alludes to that. You know, he says, don't, don't be impatient, but that's, you know, that that's next week. And then it says Eddie waves a card at the center and a metal grid clashes, crashes into place. But in the movie, he uses a key there. The, 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 the card was for the, you know, the, the main door, but to, to drop those gates down, the portacluses, as I okay. call them, you know, is uh, used by a key. So those are the, those are the small little uh, changes there. Okay. So every every Friday I have a segment called Weekend Surprise, where I mean one of the biggest debates that has revolved around Die Hard over the last thirty four years since it came out is is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? So what do you think, Brett? Is it a Christmas movie? Is it not? And uh, show your work. Yeah, I think it is a Christmas movie. I know. You know, the, I think the, especially the last few years, you know, this there has been this tradition of of showing, you know, of binging on movies that might be set at Christmas. They don't have the the deepest Christmas theme. Um, and it's gosh, not too long ago, I saw a movie that was set during Christmas, but I almost feel like. You know, they were out doing location shooting in New York and it was Christmas time. And so they just wrote that into the script because, you know, but I really feel like Die Hard just has too many allusions to Christmas. It's um, it's 
got some Christmas themes. It's just not telegraphed in a way that's like a Hallmark movie. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, here's Correct. a guy who uh, is trying, in a sense, to come home or find his family at Christmas time or visit his family at Christmas time. And uh, it works out in the end that uh, he and Holly are going to have Christmas together. Um, there's, you know, one thing that Die Hard is, you can make some similarities to, is another very un-Christmassy Christmas movie, and that's It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. Which, you know, it's a funny movie because everybody thinks of it as a Christmas movie, and Christmas is only really in the third act. Um, and that's... You know, it's it's sort of about it's almost more like I mean, they sing Old Lang Syne at the end of uh, at the end of It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. It's a Wonderful Life. Thank you. And, it's you know, it's almost, more, you know, both movies have a certain redemption because it's about Al getting a second chance um, and kind of atoning. You know, there's a little bit of Charles Dickens here. That's why I feel like, yeah, it's it's got a. It's got a Christmassy feeling because, yeah, I mean, A Christmas Carol isn't the most Christmassy movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I absolutely feel like uh, because of its themes of uh, murder and mayhem, of course, and explosions, but also uh, a guy looking for his family um, and trying to figure out what's important in his life and going to extreme measures to do that. And then another guy who... Uh, is dealing with some demons and he gets, he gets to, to redeem himself at the end of this. Um, and then we could probably make, you know, Hans Gruber's probably a big fan of Krampus. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think it's very much a Christmas movie and that I would also, I'll give a shout out to gremlins. Cause I think that movie just has so many themes in it. That, yes. You know, may not, I mean, they, they may not be quote unquote traditional, but, um, yeah, absolutely a Christmas movie. And I wish I could think of a few other movies that are just, you know, Christmas is a setting. It's a backdrop. But, um, you know, it really doesn't figure that much into the plot. I bet you you, you could probably come up with a few. I'm yeah. blank at the moment. Yeah, but, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no so problem. Definitely a solid yes vote on Christmas movie. All right. Excellent. So you want it for one last time this season. Tell people how they can get in touch with Brett Stillo. Okay. Well, I don't know. Just look for me. Um, at this point, I'll toot my own horn a little bit that I've been working on a low, low-budget independent feature film currently with the title, the working title of Afterbirth. It's a horror movie. So hopefully mm-hmm. um, you can look for me there since uh, I've been working on this thing. I didn't write it. A good friend of mine wrote it uh, and produced it, and I got to direct it, which was pretty exciting. And I'm editing it and creating monsters. And hopefully 2023 will be the year of Afterbirth. Wow, that's that's a poster for you. So look for that. <laughs> there you go. Unless See, there you go. I, I, I should get credit for that too. There you go. <laughs> I, you'll, I'm gonna, I'm, we'll give you a special thanks at the end and then we'll do the special, <laughs> we do the end crit titles. But yeah, hopefully, um, I, hopefully soon I'll be saying, look, look for Afterbirth. That sounds wrong. But that's the problem with horror movie titles. But yeah. uh, well, you're just uh, saying look yeah. for the Afterbirth, so that's fine. You know, you're yeah. saying look for Afterbirth, so that's okay. Yeah, that's a little. Just problem. make sure you don't have the V in there, and you're good. Yeah, 
I'm good. We're good. So that's, yeah. And I'm always up for uh, a podcast because I love talking about movies. That's all I can talk about is movies. And so uh, have Mike will travel. All right. Excellent. And, uh, you know, since Brett and I are both part of the uh, Movies by Minute uh, community, so uh, just, you know, as, as Jim likes to tell people, you know, you can you can find out about all the different movies that have been done Movies by Minute uh, by going to the website moviesbyminutes.com and you can see all of the uh, currently there are 224 podcasts listed on the site, even though I know there are more because this one isn't listed there yet. So you know, <laughs> it, it should get there soon, you know. <laughs> Even it should, hopefully it'll get there before it ends, but that, that's okay. I'm talking about this season. The first two seasons are on there separately, also. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, you can go there and you can find some of your your favorite movies and listen to podcasts where people like Brett and I will uh, you know dissect them minute by minute. Or as Jim always says, if you look there and you find that your favorite movie is not there, you can go and uh, create your own podcast, movies by minute. You know, we have a great community that uh, we all are connected over Facebook. We all help each other out when we can. And, uh, you know, it would be great getting new new, new blood. You know, more crazy people like, like the rest of us. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, to be doing these type of things. Yeah. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, MovieAroundMinute.com. So, Brett, thank you very much for joining me, especially on the short notice as we mentioned at the beginning of the week. Uh, thank you once again to Mike, but sorry, your episodes will not appear. <laughs> sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. But yeah, thanks for having me. It was an absolute pleasure talking uh, Die Hard with you. Excellent. And uh, I'll be back on Monday with a new guest. So until Monday, yippee ki yay Yippee-ki-yo. 